Uh, Tim and I have been uh, accountability partners for over 15 years. And uh, he said, he asked if Janet could sing. I said, well, I'm scheduled to sing, and since I won't be there, that'd be great. Let's have Janet sing. And uh, his wife and daughter, I guess, sang and did a good job. Yeah, I always want to have good singing before uh, somewhat good preaching. So <laughs> it l- at least helps the, the preaching go a little bit better. And I guess he had a fan base show up. Uh, yeah, Tim did. Well, I'm going to have to get on to him about their tithing. Uh, they didn't They didn't tithe very well last week. So uh, they're holding out on us. Uh, we're almost through our Unshakable Faith series. Got two, this sermon and then next week will be the last one in our series. And uh, today's just kind of an added one because I want to talk about family today. So if you have your sermon notes, uh, find those. Uh, today's message is going to be a little different than what I've preached in a long time, the way I've preached in a long time. Uh, I don't have a transcript in front of me. Normally I have a transcript of what I want to say, but I don't today. So Cindy knows that that can be trouble in River City uh, because my mind tends to wander sometimes. But I'm going to try to stay with what notes I have and uh, stay pretty close. But I'm, I'm just... I'm kind of like a cross-eyed discus player. Don't get a lot of distance on the throw, but I keep the crowd in the game. So just stay with me, and maybe at the end we'll have you'll be able to walk out and go, well, that was okay. But uh, nevertheless, our verse that we've been using to kind of as a bedrock for our whole series on unshakable faith is Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And I want us to look at just the two verses, 24 and 25. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. If your family or my family or any family is ever going to survive life, You better be built on a rock. Solid foundation. I tell couples all the time when I'm counseling them before marriage that the key ingredient to keeping that marriage together for a long, long time is that both of them put one hand on the cross and hold on to the cross and with the other hand you can slap each other, whatever you need to do. But always have the cross as your anchor. Or in as today's message, as the rock that holds you together. Because if you don't have that rock holding you together, you won't. You won't stay together. Oklahoma ranks second behind Reno, Nevada for the numbers of divorces per year. The marriages to crumble. Boy, that's a great statistic. Not one that I'm proud of as a minister. But I can't follow you around and help you keep your marriage together. That'd be kind of awkward, wouldn't it? Preachers, every time you turn around, preacher's standing there. Or in my case, sitting there on my little scooter. But I could follow you everywhere you go. Might run over you a time or two. But uh, nevertheless, you've got to have the bedrock, which is then your faith in the rock. 
if that family is going to survive. I mean, you can have a very loving relationship. You can have a very gracious, merciful, kind relationship. But if you don't have Jesus in the center, the anchor, the bedrock, the cross you're hanging on to, it's going to be tough to keep that marriage together. Because something will cause you to look away. It will, every time. Every time. So the purpose of the family is to be two things. If you're following there on your outline. First of all, the family needs to be a protection from life storms. And secondly, it needs to be a pattern for life. You're familiar with the next verse on your, on your uh, sermon notes, Proverbs 22, 6. Let's read that together. All of you get your uh, sermon notes out and let's read that together there on the bottom of the front page there. It says, Proverbs 22, 6. Ready? Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will never leave it. Is that true? Well, the, the verse is true. And you can do, <clears throat> as a parent, everything that you can possibly do to teach them and show them the right path. How many would say amen? <clears throat> However... There are other influencers in their lives, aren't there? Remember growing up, your mother said, don't hang around with certain people? Why do you think your mother knew that? She was just mean? She didn't like these people that you were hanging around? It's because she knew. She's been there before. She hung around with some of those kind of people. And got her in trouble. And so, warning. Remember the old lost in space with the robot? Warning, Will Robinson. Warning, warning. But direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. Children know, if they've been raised in the church, and been brought up in the Lord, and brought up in the Word, they know what truth is. <clears throat> they might not want to follow it all the time. They may want to stray for a while. But the prayer of every mother and every grandmother that I've ever met and every grandfather that I've ever met and every father I've ever met is that those children will then come back to the Lord. They'll come back to the Lord. We don't want them to stray forever. We just want them to come back to the Lord, right? And the best way to come back to the Lord is to stay plugged into the Lord. So when our kids went off to college, I made sure that I stressed to them, go to church, go to church, go to church. Now, I had two boys at Bible college. You figure I wouldn't have to tell them that. Oh, yes, you do. <clears throat> They're the worst. Bible college kids are the worst. Here's how they justify not going to church on Sunday. Well, I get it every day in chapel. Or in my classes. Really? That you sleep through? <laughs> yeah, Maria's back there about to break her neck. That's right, that's right, that's right. Because it's true. Maria will tell you. She's in Bible college right now. She'll tell you. On Sunday morning, how many of those kids are sleeping? Sarah would tell you. Don't worry you. A bunch of kids are sleeping. 
because they believe they're getting enough of it through the week, through their classes and their chapels and all that. And the problem is, is that you're only going, you're not participating. <laughs> you got to open the Word and you got to let the Word penetrate. And in families, they need to see, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, they need to see us with this Word of God open in front of them. They need to see us with this. Aaron's challenged me many times. He said, he said, don't you think it's better if we hold the Bible up and really hold the Bible up, not just that electronic device that you call the Bible? Hey, he's right. We forget how to use this. Is it convenient to have an electronic device with a Bible on? Absolutely. I love it. I love the, I love the tool. But there's just something special about this book. Being open and children observing you with it open. So I, I would encourage you, let's get the Bible back out. Get it by your favorite chair. Start having your devotional time in that favorite chair. Let the kids see you with the Bible open. It'll be awesome. Some of the changes that can be made in your in your family because of it. All right. I want to give you now three godly foundations. We talked about the uh, developing foundations in our in our uh, families. I want to give you three that I think are critical to making families work today and that you then can have unshakable faith because of these foundations. You want to have a rock solid family. Foundation number 1. I will invite God, excuse me, <clears throat> to be the leader of my family. I will invite God to be the leader in my family. It's foundation number one. Christianity Today spoke with a sociology professor, Bradford Wilcox, and his colleagues about a study titled The Cohabitation Go-Round. Cohabitation and family instability across the globe. That was this long article title. The study found that children were more often than not negatively affected by cohabitating parents, regardless of class or education level, specifically in the stability of the family. The study also found that a widespread acceptance of cohabitation in one culture did not make it as stable as marriage. Later in the interview, Wilcox said, Marriage is an important source of human and financial capital for kids. Kids who are raised in stable married homes in the developing world are more likely to be flourishing and stable families are also associated with better social and health outcomes. A lot of people today believe, let's try it before we buy it. I want to cohabitate. I want to, I'm going to have, we're going to be a married couple without being married. Now, what does God's Word say about that? I don't have to beat you up about it. You know what it says. Well, this is 2018, preacher. I'm sure God would understand. He understands my weaknesses. He does. He even go, he even goes so far as to say, if you can't control yourself sexually, get married so you don't burn in hell. That's what he says. That's pretty straightforward, amen. 
But I haven't read anywhere from Genesis to Revelation where God has said, listen, I want you to try this out first and then get married. I want you to try it out. Make sure you're going to fit together. Make sure you're going to, it's going to be compatible. Everything's going to be all right. Then get married. He didn't say that. In fact, another thing I counsel young couples when they're getting married is if they're already cohabitating to stop. Oh, this is always fun when I bring, bring this up. I used to be really forceful about it. Now I've backed way off of that. I'm not forceful about it. I simply ask them to consider doing this. And here's why I tell them. I said, you know, you want a blessing from God, don't you, for this marriage? Well, if you want Him to bless you, then start doing everything you can to do this marriage in the way that He wants it done. So if possible... You have one of the two, male or female, whichever works best and is easiest to do, to move out. I had a young man. They had already got an apartment together and the girl's family didn't live close, but his did. He left the apartment and went back home for three weeks before they got married. And they didn't have any sexual intercourse at all until the day they got married. You might say, well, that's kind of, that's weird. Preacher, really? Yeah, really. Now, God cannot restore, I, no, let me, say, let me back up and say, they've lost the uh, virginity part, the purity part of their marriage, because they've already had sex, but God can restore because of their willingness to go back and to do what God has said to do. They're still married to this day. And I believe the couples who are willing to do it the way God wants it done will stay married longer than anybody else. Psalm 127 in verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. So when you're building a marriage, you need to build it around the Lord. Marriage is tough enough. Just on its own. Marriage is tough enough. It'll be 41 years for me and Cindy this year. All right, man, that's amazing. 43 for Ed and Lindsay. Somebody yell out yours. 48, 29, 20. That's a long time too. Anybody been married less than 15? <laughs> it was young people. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Jeff and Michelle just celebrated 29, wasn't it? Yeah, they were at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Now, that's a great place to go eat. But you better take a loan. I've never seen meat cost that much money ever in my life. But boy, it is a great place to eat. How did I get off on that? That's too close to noon. That's what it is. Our memory verse. We've just taken a part of Joshua twenty four fifteen for the memory verse. I figured all of that that we read earlier, you'd, you might scare you. Well, let's read this together. Ready? Choose today whom you will serve. But as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. You know, pick whoever you want to serve, but we're going to serve the Lord. We live in some crazy, crazy times in our culture, don't we? I mean, you can't use a plastic straw in California. 
You're arrested for drinking out of a plastic straw? I saw one the other day, a cartoon where the guy had a a whole bunch of plastic straws under his shirt, uh, you know, stuck in his belt. He said, conceal carry. (laughs) I thought that was clever. You know, common sense is gone, isn't it? Just nuts. But as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. Foundation number two. I will make my spouse my number one priority after God. Don't forget to put that there. There, See that there. After God. Your spouse needs to be your number one priority over your children. Hold on now. Hold on. Hold on. Doesn't go from preaching to meddling. Hold on. Hold on. By the way, let's stop right quick and raise our Bibles. I'm a child of God. Having my hand, powerful word of God, can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, please speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look at your neighbor telling me you love them real quick. Okay. Don't kiss each other. Don't start that nonsense. There we go. All right. Not all of us are able to kiss the one next to us. But if you really love them, go ahead, you know, whatever. No. But they have to become, that spouse has to become the number one priority after God. God has to be the number one person you love more than anybody else in your life. Then you can love your wife or husband like like you should. Don't put them over God. Don't put your children over your spouse. Though sometimes children are a whole lot more fun than our spouses. I get an amen? Yeah. Yeah, muffled. Yeah. I, the preacher's wife. Amen. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That was real clear. We heard that one. Most of them were muffled prior to that. Yes. Praise God. I'm going to show you a video. And in this video, it's the opening scene of Pixar's movie, Up. Carl and Ellie's marriage is summed up by just a few of life's moments in the opening part of this movie. And what's interesting, they don't speak at all, but boy, there's a very clear message. And they endure some things together and celebrate some things together. Well, let's just take a look at the video. It's, it's just really important. I like the gun going off and on.
experienced a lot of life, didn't they? Not a word said. We need to understand that one of the strongest earthly examples of faithfulness is marriage. Not only are we called to be faithful to our spouse for life, we also can glorify and the image of our faithful God when we joyfully continue marriages for as long or as short as they last. First Corinthians 4.2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And so, if God gives you a spouse, rejoice. And find that person to be faithful. And be faithful to them. Mark 11.25 But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. What's the Bible say about not letting the sun go down on your wrath? (coughs) If you are holding a grudge against your spouse, it's really hard to get along, isn't it? It's better to forgive and make up. I liked the makeup part. It was fun. Still is. Doesn't seem like we hold grudges like we used to. She can outrun me now. And uh, it's fun to watch me try to catch her, though. It is a, it's a video moment. For sure. But don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That's really an important principle. To apply in every marriage. And then on the back of your sermon notes, I want to give you foundation number three. I will fulfill my responsibility or responsibilities to my children. To my children. 
Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7 says, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Having this just open by your favorite chair on your little table, you, you know, I would encourage you to read out of it to your children, but you know, if they even just see the Word of God open, it's going to make a difference. And then if they see you living the principles of the Word of God, it's going to make a huge difference. And when you're correcting them and ministering to them and disciplining them, Using this, oh my. When my children became Christians, were baptized and became Christians, I then began a whole different track on how to deal with them and their discipline. I would say to them, but now, Christ is the master of your life. And when you do these things... You know it hurts yourself and hurts your mom and dad, but now you're hurting Christ. No, I wasn't lying to him. It's true. When you use foul language, that's an image you're portraying of your, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you look at things you shouldn't look at, say things you shouldn't say, go places you shouldn't go, it's a reflection on your walk with God. If you don't like that, tough. <laughs> Take it up with the man that wrote the book. In a heartbreaking story, a teenager posted an ad on Craigslist asking to rent a family on her birthday so she wouldn't have to be alone. You see, there are lost and hurting people around us. Would we ask God to bring us or to help us bring His kingdom to earth? Will we pray for other people? Will we be willing to be an answer to someone's prayer or even to our own prayer? How sad is it that this little girl on Craigslist is wanting to rent a family just so she won't be alone on her birthday? Three things we need to do. With our children. Number one, we need to discipline my children. Hebrews 12 describes how much God loves us because He disciplines us. Now I never, I never got that. My, I'd always hear my mom and dad say, this is gonna hurt me a lot worse than it's gonna hurt you. At that time, I thought, give me that stick, I can beat you right now, it won't bother me at all. Then I became a parent. It does. It, it is, it, it does hurt you to have to do that, to have to discipline your children. Uh, one of the things that I did when I disciplined our children, and we, we were spankers. We spanked them. Oh, send me to jail. We spanked them. <laughs> but I would, ex I would have them explain to me why we're at this point. Maybe you did something similar. I stopped spanking them 
when my middle son, Corey, looked at me one day, I said, because the, the, the drill was you go out, they put their hands on the washing machine, gives me a clear shot at what I need to get a shot at without any interference. And I made my f- famous statement, okay, tell me why we're out here and why this is happening. He just kind of looks over the shoulder and he says, Dad, just beat me. I don't want to talk about it. Just beat me. And I got to laughing so hard, I realized that's enough. Let's go. He said, really, you're not going to beat me? I said, well, you better get out before I change my mind. But discipline means more than whipping or paddling. or Discipline means that you're going to show them how to behave. You're going to show them how to carry themselves. You know, when they come out, oh, slouchy, baggy britches and all that. I mean, I'm offended by that. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't like seeing somebody's underwear hanging out of their pants. Now, I've been a sagger for a long time. I've been sagging for many, many years. But not because I want to. Don't you just want to walk up behind them, especially when they have their belt and their pants on right below their, their bottom? And that's where their waist starts on their pants. Don't you just want to go up and go like that? I do. It just, I just think it'd be fun. They couldn't catch you for a little bit because they'd be tripped up. But I've often wondered, why do that? Somebody needs to show us how to carry ourselves. Uh, any of you catch the Hall of Fame speeches yesterday? I didn't catch myself, but Jeff was telling me about them and how had two or three of those old guys were breaking out into sermons up there. And of all people, Ray Lewis. He spent some time in the jail. He's made some bad choices. But man, you'd have thought he was an evangelist up there yesterday. You see, discipline's important. Not just the spanking part of it. Life discipline. Teach them. How do you carry yourself? How do you respond? Smile. Look them in the eye. Learn to shake their hand and look them in the eye. Learn to say thank you and please. Thank you. Thank you. Second thing we need to do is to lead my children. John 112, Psalm 103. Talk about that. We need to lead them. They need to see us perform so that they can perform. And then thirdly, Psalm 127, we need to adore our children. And there's some times when they're not very adorable. There's some times when your only thought option is to kill them. I'm not sure what species of animal it is, but there's some animals that eat their own Children, and I understand now why they do that. We have a grandson, Timothy, that is the loudest child I've ever heard in my lifetime. You can put five children in the room screaming at the top of their lungs, Timothy can beat them by himself. Most amazing child I've ever seen. At 18 months, the loudness 
We used to do a fun thing at camp called the Loud Family Singers. And we'd sing songs like, Whisper a Prayer in the Morning, but we would sing, Whisper a Prayer in the Morning! Real loud. This guy's amazing. He can go from talking like this to just decibel level that's just out of sight. But then he can turn around and he'll come sneak up on you. He does it like this. And then, well, you see him coming. I mean, come on. Then he wants to come over and grab. Then he wants to come and hug you. That's a special time. Adore your children. Ephesians 5.1 God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family. Oh, I love this verse. To adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do. And it gave Him great pleasure. Now look at a few things in this verse. It says, He decided in advance to adopt us. To adopt means I'm going to choose you over someone else. Who's God going to choose? He's going to choose those who love Him. Those that want Him, He's going to choose us. So He says. And He's adopting us into His own family. Because of the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Wow. Wow. God was pleased to bring us into his family, to care about us, to embrace us, to discipline us, to lead us, to adore us. How are we doing with all that? How are we doing with it? Father, I ask you this morning. That we pause long enough to realize that we can't do it on our own. We've got to have help. And that help has to come from you. So God, I'm asking today that you'll be with every parent in this room, every grandparent in this room. To help them to realize the importance of what they do and the role they play in disciplining and leading and loving and adoring their children. It's been said from a grandparent's perspective, if I'd have known that grandkids were so much fun, I'd have started with them. But God, what the truth is, is that I I can appreciate my grandchildren because of the mistakes I made on my own kids. So God, help me to be a better example in the areas of, of my life that I need discipline in. Would I develop the discipline so that I can be a good example? Where correction is needed, may I do it with love and grace and mercy. Help me to be a good leader in the family. Help me to love and adore 
the children that you've given me. It doesn't matter how old my children get. They'll always be my kids. So, Father, is there someone today who feels far away from you? Is there someone here today that needs a special touch of your hand upon their shoulder, uh, your arm around them? Both arms, pulling them close. Does somebody need that? Father, if they would let us know, we could become those arms, those hands, that love. Maybe there's one here today that doesn't know you as their Savior. Boy, it would be a great day for that. We got to witness that Wednesday night as Gary baptized his granddaughter. What a great way to start a Wednesday night Bible study. Is there one today, Lord? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to sing our song of invitation. If God's moving in your life to respond, would you as we stand?